every time I think about doing something like that, especially at a restaurant, I have Eric Slocum's behavior in my head. Because one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life happened because of Eric Slocum. What did he do? We were <laughs> we were at Steak and Shake outside of Zanesville, Ohio. Oh, yeah. And this is a few years ago. And me and Dave went up to do some sparring with them, and we decided to go to Steak and Shake after. So we're enjoying a nice meal, a nice seven by seven. And this server comes up and it taking orders and all these things. And Eric two or three times is laying it on pretty thick. <laughs> you know, I'll take a seven by seven you, fries. Yeah. Yeah. I fries and do the whatever seasoning, anything else. Yeah. Um, number would be good. Like, Eric, I think you're, you're missing a pretty important detail here, dude. So she comes back and does it again, gets no response. Finally, she brings the, the receipt, the bill can I get you all anything else? Hope you had a good night. Yeah, you forgot something. What's that? She said, your number on the back. And she looks at him and goes, well, I am only 16. <laughs> oh, man. Good job, Slocum. Okay, so first of all, it, it didn't phase him. You would think that would get some type of reaction. It did not phase him. Meanwhile, the other three people at the table are laughing hysterically. <laughs> And I have never let him forget that story. And he's married now and has an amazing wife, Alyssa. She's really cool. But that story is one of the greatest things that has ever, ever happened. That's pretty funny. It was hysterical. So I'm a little, you know, a a little concerned about doing that just in case. But this is, you know, obviously not. You're not at a fast food joint. This is a restaurant. So obviously she's at least 21, 22. I don't know. But whatever. Now I've got this phone going off. Do I even like know? a freaking like a wasp queef or something. I was like, Wah! do you not know what that was? No, that's the sound of Kit's scanner from Knight Rider. Well, with my headphones, I can't understand it. Oh, that, of course. <laughs> well, you also don't necessarily know what it is right off the bat. Huh? I do exactly know what it is when I hear it. I've watched a lot, a lot of Knight Rider when I was a kid. Oh, you've watched a lot of Knight Rider when I was a kid. Yeah. Do you have, do you have, do you have it on Blu-ray the entire series? Hey, I think not. more than most other people that I know, I have watched. I have the, I have the lunchbox downstairs. That's actually pretty badass. I had awesome. the the big wheel. You had the big wheel. I had the bike. I, I love the, the big wheel. Dude. I had the bike with the training wheels. Mm-hmm. And cool. I was furious whenever it just suddenly disappeared. Uh, yeah, that would suck. And dude. I don't know why, because now you cannot hardly. No. Same thing with that big wheel. That was like the baddest them. big wheel ever, dude. It You'll like see this. a couple more big wheels than you will see the bikes. And I don't know why. But yeah, the big wheels were awesome. I try to get my kids big wheels for Christmas and you can't find a decent. I would go ride a big, big wheel. wheel right now. Dude, they make adult big wheels. Do they? Yeah. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I'm going to get a fucking big wheel we and just ride around the neighborhood. We need to do an adult big wheel. See, I lived on a cul-de-sac when I had mine, so I'd always be like the night Rider fucking racing around that shit. Like oh, NASCAR yeah. style was awesome. Yeah, talking to your wrists like you've got the watch on I lived that. in Florida, dude. It was a shit. Oh, so it's all flat. All flat, man. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah but yeah, there is a benefit to living somewhere with a bunch of hills. Yeah. Because then you can build up some more speed and really hurt yourself. <laughs> Yeah, not that that would ever. I had a Star Star Wars one when I was a kid as well. It was a three uh, three CPO one. It's pretty cool. 
you know what? Big wheels, man. This shit. That's we'll we'll get to that here in just a second. You you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh boy, that's my first um, Halloween costume. I was three CPO. Isn't C three PO? I don't know. When I, I was don't a kid. Know. I said never... it wrong. Yeah, I just I've been saying it wrong since I was everybody probably three. Knows, everybody knows what it is, except for the Mandela effect of the uh, one silver leg or some shit like that. That I don't remember. He's all gold when I was a kid. Okay, well, I guess we just need to all set set down one night and watch that movie where Sinbad is the magician. <laughs> hey, he had a movie. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I know that was a character, Sinbad, because that's his last name. He's supposed to be a genie. I, I get it, but you still, I mean? we all we all remember that he had that movie, Kazam, and. It, it didn't exist, but we all swear it did. It did exist. I don't care what anybody says. Man, Mandela died in 92, I think, anyway. Buddy, I'm with you. Uh, I, I feel the same way. Probably did. Uh, who, who cares, really? It's all bullshit. It is. <laughs> That's such a great outlook on life, isn't it? It is all bullshit. We only it's know a, what we're told. It's a great way to celebrate my birthday. He probably killed all kinds of kids and shit. <laughs> well, this has already taken a turn. You know, after this many episodes, all I've got to do is hear the music, and I automatically just, it brightens up my day. I feel better. It's the second sun, man. <laughs> it's like the sun's going down, but it actually is coming back up. Yeah. This is like a a sunset-type song, yeah. Well, Maybe. that's that's the title. It's End of Summer. Maybe a big old giant or something like that. End of Summer by birds. the 126ers. We have the best theme music that you can have. I love it. I like it pretty good. It's warm and it's humid, and it's my birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Brad. Thank you, sir. It's episode 14 of Apex Live. I'm Brad, that's Steve. Hello. Yeah, I don't even know what we're going to talk about tonight. Usually there's like show notes, <laughs> and I've done something that resembles prep. Yeah, I got nothing. Because it's been a little bit of a strange day, and... You probably can guess what it's been about if you listen to episode 13. If you haven't listened to episode 13, you've missed out because it's a it's two shows in one, but man, was it fun. <laughs> and believe it or not, the day after that episode posted, things took a turn. And they've just kept turning like it's a NASCAR race until now. But it is my birthday. And I'm sure we'll find plenty of stuff to talk about. So whenever, wherever, and however you're listening, thanks for joining us for episode 14 of Apex Live. Settle in. It should be fun. Oh, my. Steve, how you doing, my friend? Oh, not too bad about yourself. Well, you were here for part of episode 13. You know what's been going on, so I really don't know how to answer that question anymore. I know how to answer it. But uh, Phoenix rising, it's coming. You're you're getting there. If you will look to your right... Which is my left? You will see the, uh, the bottle of Windex. The window oh, that we use is kind of our outline of of the shows that we have coming up, and that's kind of what I wrote down for the first part: Rise of the Phoenix. Yes, um, the Phoenix always has to rise, and um, it's you never really get to pick how these things end and how these th- and and that's something that I hate to even use that word. One of the greatest lines that I've ever seen in a book was in The Five People You Beat in Heaven by Mitch Albom. And I think I watched that movie. They didn't do a bad job. That was a TV movie, and John yeah. Voight played the lead. He played Ed, he played Eddie. And it was in the first page of that book that he says, 
Uh, it may seem strange to begin a story at the ending, but every ending is also a beginning. We just don't know it at the time. Yeah. And I thought, what a brilliant statement one page into that book. So I really have kind of had that in mind. Uh, Orson Welles had a brilliant quote back around the time he was writing and directing Citizen Kane and then went on to act in The Third Man. And he never really got back to that Citizen Kane point again in his career, but such a brilliant man in the in the creative arts. And he said, let me make sure I get this right. Uh, he said, if you want a happy ending, I'm paraphrasing, if you want a happy ending, it depends on where you end the story. Yeah. And I thought that seems awfully cynical and negative until you stop and think about it and realize how true that actually is. So, no, definitely not an easy day today. Uh, something happened that kind of needed to happen. And, and it had to be addressed because, quite honestly, at this point, uh, after a two-month battle, now I'm not going to get on here and air dirty laundry and, and get into all that because there's no reason to do that, and that's out of respect uh, for the person in question, and it's also out of respect for me because the people around me already know. But you know, it's just it's something that had to be done because of the state of things and how they are right now, and it's not it it has nothing to do with being angry because it's the exact opposite. Believe me, the emotion is the exact opposite of anger, but it's about self-preservation at this point. And uh, but believe me, the window is kind of left open just because that's the right thing to do, because things change. Circumstances change. It's got Home Alone booby traps on it, though. So like nails and shit, <laughs> like busted light bulbs where you're going to step. And well, sometimes you do have to have a uh, you have to have some some defense mechanisms in place, too. But been dealing with that. The fact that it happens on my birthday timing probably could have been a little better. But you know what? Things happen, and, and I don't want to hear, again, I don't want to hear everything happens for a reason. Well, apparently, lately, the reason everything happens is just to kick me in the face. But, well, no more. No more of that. So, hopefully, that is at least at a respite right now, and kind of relax and heal up and everything and just have a good time. And one of my saving graces, honestly, has been this podcast and being able to dump energy into that and have fun with it and enjoy it. And it's just been a blast. And like I said, we're, I know we took that hiatus again. And believe me, that was not planned. I had no desire to take six weeks or seven weeks off from oh, doing yeah. the show. But that just kind of got thrust upon me. Now, we're right back in it. We should have some really fun stuff for the show coming up here shortly. Some more live shows. Some more stuff that we can use to produce the show even better. And that's going to be a blast. But, uh, Steve, what's going on with you? Uh, I'm once again looking for another job while I have a job. Um uh, Getting right. in a little can, better can shape. Just, can I just say know. this? Yeah. Just to, just to revisit the previous context a little bit. Be very careful for your motivations for looking for something when you've already got something. Oh, oh no, may, no, no, no. Because sometimes that backfires. <laughs> okay? Sometimes that backfires. So okay. make sure it's what you want. So it is exactly what I'm doing now. Hang on. Hang, hang on. That was kind of a dick. Right? I understand. But, but it made me laugh. I, it made me laugh on the inside. I'm not, and, be, I'm not being mean. I'm just... The yeah. rock raised eyebrow. It didn't help me either. <laughs> I was like, the fucking rock is here. Um, but yeah, there's there's less responsibility. Um, there's a dedicated brand that I'll be working on only. Okay. Uh, the pay is increased. And uh, benefits are much better. So really, this, there's more... There's more to this than there is what I have now. Well, there's a lot of upside. There's more upside. I'm not just doing it for a money aspect. Um, you know, there's a couple other aspects of different jobs I can, I have some opportunities, but I don't know, you know, this seems like it can have a lucrative uh, single player option at the end of the, 
the day when I'm done working for a fucking corporate entity. So, boy, do you hate some corporate entities? It's shit. Oh, I hate <laughs> them too. Of course, at this point, it's hard not to hate just about everyone and everything. <laughs> the way that things are going, and I know that sounds like such an old person thing to say but believe me the longer you live the more you realize how much everything sucks yeah and this is not an everything sucks podcast we talk about the things that are good and the things that we like but my goodness people make it difficult they just make it really really difficult i got mad at my son uh, yesterday he's he plays that Fortnite shit that everybody else plays. Oh, so and I'm like PUBG's so is better. Is he trendy? Is that what's it, going it, that's on? That's what I told him, and he like does the little dances all these kids do all the time. And, I'm, and I, I yell at him in the car. I'm like, "Are you fucking serious?" So at one point, I'm sure he was dabbing. He was doing some stuff, and then after like, that, he's doing whatever that thing is with the arms yeah, straight and going exactly. back and forth. And you're going, "Just stop!" No, it. I did. I yelled. At him. I was like, "Why don't you just keep on being exactly like everybody else, liking all the same stuff, and be a turd like everybody else around you, so you can just." be them well, where does that take you ultimately he shut up he didn't even talk to me he was like he wasn't mad he was like what does that even mean what well, are you saying but it needed to be said because that attitude yeah does nothing for you no there's nothing that i hate more than normal it's horrible i, I hate normal I, mean, I just think he's a very energetic he's a jerk I, he gets on my nerves a lot but he's a smart athletic kid you know tell what, you what he, just, can t- he can talk some smack he's good at that he can talk some smack i told you what he did when he was six years old he played football like he would make a tackle and put a foot on somebody's chest and shit talk oh, oh my god are you serious dude like you're Whoa. six years old so did the raiders automatically offer him a contract guess what team he plays for what the Raiders, that's what they're called. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Raleigh, Raleigh West Raiders. See, he would be the guy, he would be the kid, honestly, that that gets into boxing and knocks somebody out and steps over them while they're getting counted. That shit hits. For an eight-year-old, he punches hard, man. He does. Well, it's genetic, Steve. Well, nah, he's, he hits a little harder. I don't hit hard anymore. It kind of sucks. It makes me sad. That is, that is absolute Left, left check hook's still pretty decent. My right hand's gone. That's I don't know crap. what the hell. That is crap. And I can call people right now and find out. For firsthand, yeah. they will tell you that that is absolute crap. Well. All right. Let's take care of a little business. If you're listening to us right now on a podcast management app, we suggest Podcast Addict. Thank you. Subscribe to it. It's awesome. You can uh, subscribe to our RSS feed to get every episode, every highlight clip that we post. All the show notes and everything will be right there in every link for every episode. It's how I recommend listening to podcasts. If you're listening to us or if you're listening to us plus 10 other shows, get Podcast Addict. It is the best. It is good stuff. Uh, If not, you're probably listening through the website. If you are listening through the app, visit the website anyway. It's apexlive.fireside.fm. One thing you can do that's really cool now, go to the website, click on the Amazon link up in the menu bar. When you get to that page, there will be a banner for Amazon.com. It's very visible. If you click that and go through to Amazon, we get a commission from everything that you buy. All of that is going to go towards stuff for the show. So it's an easy way to support the show. All you've got to do is go to the website, click that banner, go through to Amazon. It's literally 10 seconds, and you're supporting the show by doing that. Social media, we're easy to find. Just get on Facebook, Apex Live Podcast. No Twitter, no Instagram. Done with that crap for personal reasons. We're done with it. We may have a Snapchat at some point here soon. And the really good news here is that hopefully sometime in August, the show is going to be available on iTunes. Can we do some personal gifts for people? Like if they do things like that, like send them like nude pictures and shit, like Polaroids? 
Of like our balls and stuff. See, there's that. Okay, first of all, Polaroids. What year is this? That's my point. It's it's nostalgic. We like the eighties. We can so take it's not like, just retro gaming. You yeah. want to do retro everything. I want to do. I want to take Polaroids and like shit. And, you you know. want to get a rotary landline phone and call them and then tell them that Polaroids are in the mail. Yes, write letters with Polaroids and shit. Wow. Let's do that. Some Polaroid co- correspondence. Well, listeners, you heard it. If you support the show, Steve is going to say thank you in the way that only Steve can. If you want a Polaroid of just whatever, you may take a picture, um, personal or just dog shit on the street. Um, yeah, we can do that. Okay, well, if you'd like to do that, just send us an email. Good segue at apexlivepodcast at gmail.com. You can give us, well, obviously, those types of street requests. Street chocolate. But you can... <laughs> Oh, you're throwing me off. You can also send in thoughts, comments, questions, guest suggestions. You, if you want to be a guest, you can do that. Give us audio commentary, top five lists, all those things. If you've listened to old episodes and there were old top fives and you want to submit yours, do it. We love it. We'll play them on the show. We'll talk about it. It'll be a blast. But that's that's about the end of that as far as taking care of business. Steve, you recently started watching an older TV series. What it's is brand it? new. What the hell are you talking it is about? Not, it's brand new. All right. Now we're turning into... The uh, the car lots. It's not new, but it's new to you. It's new to me. Okay, so what is it? It is a show called Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Man, that's a good show. It is fucking great. Holy I'm so crap, glad I waited to why I didn't have to wait on the episodes. I have I can just watch it. Not literally for a week. I have not been going to sleep for you know. I start watching it at about nine o'clock. Each show is about forty five minutes, non commercial. Right. You have your little uh, you know. The little intro, little scenes, about ten minutes, you know, five to ten minutes or whatever. And uh, usually, an that hour shit's long amazing. Drama. It's hour fucking long drama, amazing. Probably forty-eight minutes. It's good shit. Brian Cranston, he had a, he's always had a good career. And I remember when the rumors were swirling around the time they produced Man of Steel mm-hmm. that he was, he was going to be, be Lex, Lex Luthor. Luthor. Man, yeah. would he have been a good Lex Luthor? So of course they botch it and put Jesse Eisenberg in uh, it. And you think, well, you had two good scenes out of out of that entire film and then going into Justice League. So thanks a lot for that. Yeah. Uh, but Cranston would have been amazing. And you think about him, and he's always been a primarily, at least in terms of what has been his most visible work, a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, he, he had the recurring role as Tim Watley, the dentist in Seinfeld. And he was on Malcolm in the Middle. And he's always done little quirky stuff like that. But when he took over that role of Walter White, not only is it iconic and it's just solely attached to him. Number one, it reminds me and just bear with me here. It reminds me of Tony Shalhoub and monk. It is literally perfect casting because when you find out who else they had in mind for those roles, you think that would have been on the air for 10 episodes and canceled. Who else did they want to play Walter? I don't remember who all they wanted for him, but I know who all they wanted for monk. Uh, That role was initially, that show was on USA Network. Fucking Dean Cain. So, oh, no, nobody that good. Nobody that good. Really? Yes. Okay, so I, you obviously don't know this. So when Mark I tell Wahlberg. you, you're, you can look it up and find out that it's true. Oh, I believe you. This is amazing. That show was probably the most successful one that USA Network's ever had. I saw in terms a few of ratings yeah. And the longevity, I mean, well over 100 episodes, 8, 9, 10, 11 seasons. It was on forever. Mm-hmm. And Tony was just amazing. All four major networks passed on that show. ABC had the last crack at it and passed on it. So USA picked it up. The role of Monk initially was supposed to be played by Michael Richards. 
Who the fuck is? Oh no, the Kramer. dude from Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I'm like, I know I heard that shit. I but, think it was when he was on that racist rant thing that he did. That's correct. That's but, why I know his actual name. But I want you to think think about that with Michael Richards <laughs> playing Monk. Well, I mean, you have to take the fact out he's probably not gonna act like Kramer, so we gotta try try to see a different aspect and a different hairstyle. As but well. he's but he's a comedian by trade and a comic actor by trade, so he would have been hamming up these OCD things. There's a lot of them though. There wouldn't have been the dramatic aspect into how debilitating those things are to Monk's life and yeah. him going out and solving the crimes. It would have been a disaster, and instead you end up with Tony Shalhoub. He ends up winning an Emmy or two yeah. for that role. He, did, he was a, he was that was actually a pretty enjoyable show. That was a fantastic. You know? If you look at all of the cable TV programming from the last I don't know fifteen years, most of the best shows that have come out of that have been on USA Network. And yeah. then you see a lot of the crap that's been on you know the big four TV networks. And it's just garbage. And they have these enormous production budgets, yeah. and the shows are terrible. And then on USA Network alone, you've got you've had Monk, Burn Notice, White Collar, Suits, Psych. But there's been all kinds of them. And just thinking about how USA has pro- produced all of these shows over and over and over. Again. I like Duck Man. Come on now. It's good okay, shit. Okay, now now we're going into the early 90s. That's good shit, though. Well, there was a time USA did not produce their own. Parker produced, Lewis Can't Lose, was he in that, too? Parker Lewis, they ran reruns of that show. That's we actually, I'm not kidding, we we covered this on an earlier episode this, of this show. But I also got punched in the face before. So. That's true. A Parker lot. Lewis Can't Lose, which was a shameless ripoff of Ferris Bueller's yeah, Day Off, but it yeah. was still such a funny show. It was a lot quirkier. I like the, the film technique with it. That was, that was it was innovative yeah. by comparison, and it was such a funny show. And quirkier than Ferris Bueller was. Mm-hmm. They uh, that show was on Fox originally, yeah, and originally. Ran for three years, and then there was a block of shows that they always replayed at like eleven a.m. <laughs> during the summers on USA Network, and they always played that show, and they always played reruns of American Gladiators. I loved American Gladiators. It was Me too. Shit. It was fun. Whenever they went to like, uh, my favorite one was where they had the little cannons and shit, and they shot the tennis balls at each other. Didn't you always want to do that? I always wanted to do that part. That I think that one was fun. <laughs> assault. That's what it was. Assault. After episode five, I hesitate to even bring this subject. They up. don't call it assault no more. Probably <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Um, assault. I hate to bring this up after the discussion. <laughs> after the discussion on episode five, I hate bringing this up, but I never really wanted to do the joust. <laughs> <laughs> the joust, yeah, that was too much. If you all have no idea what we're talking about, go to the website, go to the highlights page, and Jousting. click on the highlight. Uh, it's titled something about old video games and jousting and all this stuff. Listen to that highlight; you'll understand what we're talking about. Never perfectly. go against. <laughs> Never go against the Black Knight. <laughs> you will lose. And he's not talking about the country club. No. Okay. So that was in, always in that block of shows. And I always remembered watching that. And it was a blast. And I've actually got the first two seasons, I think, of Parker Lewis Can't Lose on DVD. But they never released the third and final season. It had a trauma feel to it. That's so... You know? It was like whoa. trauma, like, I don't know, kind of weird. But that was that was a really good show. I think the only... One of the only original shows USA did for a long time was Silk Stockings. Silk Stockings. That was a Stephen J. Cannell show. Oh, no, there's another one that they did as well. 
they swamp thing. They did that one. That was the shit. Now, dude. Silk Stockings was like early nineties. Yeah, that was like yeah. Was the early. first one I remember really well. They did the fourth season of Airwolf. It's like kind of like uh, soft porn a little bit. The shoestring of. budget Canadian fourth season of Airwolf with no one from the original. That's cast a he- helicopter. On. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love Airwolf. Okay. In fact, there's an Airwolf right up here in our studio. Sitting right up there on top. There it is. I see it. Okay. So they did that one. They did Silk Stockings. And then once we get into the mid-90s, they did the fifth season of Renegade. They did, and boy, did I love this show. I don't even know if you remember it. Pacific Blue. Come on now. Of course I do. Okay. The Hot Bicycle Cops. Nobody liked me when I was a kid. I did whatever I wanted. I watched whatever I wanted. One of my favorite 90s crushes was in that show. Who was that? Paula Tricky. Yeah, I, I probably was, got a couple of little kid boners to her or something she like was, that. Yeah, she was gorgeous. And she was in that show. She was also a guest on two episodes of Renegade. That's who, how I knew she, who she was. Renegade. But that was that was a fun show. And then, I guess, sadly, it really started whenever they canceled Tuesday Night Fights. Tuesday Night Fights was the shit. And when they got rid of it, and they never should have, when they got rid of it, they started doing more original programming. And within five years, they had Monk. Mm-hmm. Five years of that, they had Burn Notice and all those shows. And... Two of my favorite, probably top ten shows ever, are Burn Notice and White Collar. Those are just fantastic TV shows. I like uh, Problem Child, the cartoon. That was kind of cool. That could not possibly be any more different than White Collar, Burn Notice, and Suits I and am. Monk. It was good shit. So that, wait a minute. There was a there was a Problem Child cartoon. Yeah, Problem Child cartoon. Now I know that yeah, it was it was not the best animation but it was pretty fun to okay, watch okay now we're talking problem child and those were the movies let me see with john, john ritter, ritter? yeah oh my gosh that it doesn't seem like that should be that long ago but now, it he's is. been dead for like 20 years dude he has not been dead for 20 years close he's been dead since like i don't know oh three oh four he had like, like aortic that. aneurysm from well, he was lifting weights or some shit. He was on. So that's was, not close to twenty years. It was about fifteen, four, thirteen or fourteen. That's a long time. He was doing his show, uh, Eight Simple Rules. Yeah, he just it was like a newer show that he just had, wasn't it? Right, there were two seasons in, I think, and he was on set and he suffered what? How do I remember this? I crap? thought it was an aortic aneurysm. I'm not for no, sure. No, I know what it was, and this is I don't know why I remember these things, but I do. He suffered what's called an aortic dissection. Oh, where it pulls off the heart. And yeah, and there's yeah. this thing here and it starts to fill up with fluid and goes and goes and goes and goes. And you don't really know what's going on Until in case you up. catch it right when it happens. Yeah. And he went and laid down and by the time they got to him and they figured out how bad it was, there was really nothing they could do to reverse it and he died. Well, they supposedly it was from lifting weights. Like he was lifting way heavier over than what he was supposed to. And he like dropped it on his chest or something like hmm. that. I haven't heard that. Yeah, and it had it tore in it or something like that. I don't know. Well, they did that, and I think they explained it away in the show. I didn't really watch the show very much. His character was funny in it. I remember that. Yeah, it was. It was a, and, it was a comedy. And Kaylee Cuoco was in it. That was her first big. How deal. was she then? Uh, she couldn't have been more than seventeen or eighteen, probably. Oh, so she was prime. in it. <laughs> she was in that, and I think they explained it away in the show that he had died in a car wreck. Oh, that's still I think sucks, that's how that's they, a comedy show. That's right, but they had to address the fact that he was gone, and he was the dad. Yes, so that's how they explained it away, and then they brought in to kind of salvage season three. They brought in James Garner and David Spade <laughs> to kind of play family members, living in the house, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's still make money off this shit, pretty much. Well, <laughs> at that point, you've already got the production dumped into it, so yeah. you may as well try to keep the 
the bus running because I think the ratings were pretty good for it at the time. I don't know how I know that, but apparently that's that's true. So I'm just going to run with it and act like it is. <laughs> so how we got there after talking about watching Breaking Bad, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. But what? Are, why do you like the show so much? Now I, re- I remember it because it just the way his life changes and the hard decisions he makes and how he changes as a person. I hate his wife, though. I think she's a piece of shit. <laughs> she, there's no rhyme or reason. And she, I, I find her very unattractive even before she did that stupid shit with her boss. Like, he was he was doing, in the comparison to me with the boss, when she catches him up in his books and says, why are you doing this? And, right. you know, I do this for my family. And then she understands, hey, you know, and even... He, will say her uh, brother-in-law you know whenever you're close to death it changes you all those things are thrown at her and she's still being a piece of shit to him you know what i mean like, okay so how far into the show are you i'm like in the third season okay so you are you're over halfway yeah yeah isn't it funny how we have changed the way that we even watch television now i binge the shit out of it i don't even watch them when they're on like well, if, just the availability i'm talking about i love netflix and all of those different things that we get to use and obviously, it's great because instead of taking an hour to watch an hour-long show, you can watch it in 48 minutes yeah, the way and get through all be. this stuff. And I like that. But what I f- really find fascinating... I'm going to hear about catheters and shit. <laughs> <laughs> the cowboy's not selling you catheters. Damn cowboys. Oh, my gosh. Fake-ass if you If you enjoy Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, that joke is even better because <laughs> of all the stuff he pulls with the catheter cowboy. <laughs> But I I think about how it's changed the way we watch stuff that's even on now. Mm-hmm. I talked about this the last episode when we did our top five list. I love the show Salvation on CBS. The next episode is actually on you know, about 29 minutes from when we're recording. And I, I don't think that since the first episode of this season, I have watched a show as it was on. See, that's what's going to happen is you're going to tell me how much you like this show. I'm going to wait until they're done with all the seasons, and then, and then I'm going to start watching this shit. That's right. But what we do, I I will download it. Not download it, but I'll record it. Oh, yeah. And if I miss it, I'll download it. And I'm going to watch it after it's already been on. I don't care about social media. I don't care. Social media ruined my life. I don't care about social media now. I'm just about done with it, actually. Well, believe me, I'm done with social media. Yeah. But... I don't care about talking to other people as the show is going on. I just want to enjoy the show for what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to record it, and my time's very valuable. Steve, it is. I don't have time to waste on, on commercials for stuff I don't want to buy and don't care about. So Seriously. I'm going to watch 48 minutes of TV in 48 minutes and skip through all this stuff yeah. and then move on to the next one. So that's completely taken out the experience of watching live television unless it's news a sporting event, or if it's like the season finale of the show, and I'm yeah. not waiting another hour. I've got to watch how Just this watch all it. wraps up. And this is one of my favorite quirks. You may not. I don't, th- I don't think you know this. But one of my favorite quirks about myself is that I will watch the series finale of almost any show, whether I watched the show when it was on <laughs> or not. Also, the last episode of the series whatsoever. Right. If it's the last episode of the show... I may not have ever seen an episode of it, but if it's the last one, I'm going to watch it to see how the story ends. Mm -hmm. Just because other people have invested so much time and energy into that show, I want to see what they've invested all that into, even if I'll never actually watch it. Like, it's fucking garbage. I have heard people (laughs) talk about the Americans on FX. 
for years and how great that show is. And I've heard great things about it. It's set in the 80s. Yeah. It's got a very espionage CIA, U.S. versus Soviet Union feel to it. Cold I'm War sure, type shit, right? I'm sure I would love the show. It's set in the Cold War. But time constraints, I never got to sit down and watch it. The final episode of that show was about two months ago. <sighs> Ironic timing. <laughs> and I watched the final episode. And it was it was compelling. It was an amazing series finale. And I thought, I must have really missed out on a great show. But at the same time, you'll have the series finale for, like, Friends. And I watched the early couple of seasons of that show, and then it started to not be nearly as good anymore. But I watched the series finale, because it's the last episode. And that's just, it's always been one of my quirks. I'm going to watch the last episode of a show just to see how it is. And that's why it really pisses me off whenever I watch a show that I really, really enjoy... And I'll watch the last episode of the season, and then they cancel it. And that's the last episode. Jericho? Jericho's up there, man. Damn it. Okay, now here's one good thing about Jericho's ending. If you have the DVD series of both seasons, you get the ending as it was televised, and then you get the alternate ending, too. Mm -hmm. The alternate ending ends on a cliffhanger in case there would have been a season three. Yeah, there should have been. And that ending would have set up one of the most amazing seasons of television in history. But I am utterly convinced to this day, and I don't know how many people who listen to this have watched Jericho, but they should. Everyone should watch it's Jericho. Good shit. Yeah. It's good. Well, it's, it's a deep it's, state type stuff. It is an insight stuff. into the world we live in, whether you want to admit it or not. But... That show, I am utterly convinced, because I remember them hyping it. I remember watching commercials for it, little 10, 15-second teasers. Oh, yeah. In commercial breaks. You know, Skeet that, Ulrich. That you know, the world is about to change. And it, you know, they show this, this image of a big empty field and a mushroom cloud in the background and a kid looking at it. And mm -hmm. they're teasing this big series. And I remember them hyping it. And it was so it's post apocalyptic and all these bad things that have happened. It's just brilliant to watch and it's perfectly written. I love it. But you get to the end of the first season and a lot has happened. And it's a very gritty, realistic show. Mm -hmm. We have this idea that if a bunch of nukes go off and these things happen in succession, well, we're all gonna rally together. Oh no. All these things are you know, we're gonna rally together and help your common man. First of all, have you ever met people there's not a more selfish creature on Earth than human beings. Oh, we're don't, shit. Don't tell me about the instincts of animals doing things. No, 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 no. No, human beings are the most selfish creatures imaginable, and it's because we can think freely. So Jericho gets into that, and we start to see how selfish people are, and all mm -hmm. the betrayal, and all of the backstabbing, and, th and violence, and things that are going to happen. So you get to the end of that first season... And the numbers are all right. I mean, they're not world beaters, but they're okay. Yeah, yeah they're, I mean. And the ending like of that last episode of the season, of season one, is just phenomenal. You cannot put it into words how great the ending of that episode is because of what happens, how it plays out, and what it sets up. And then out of nowhere, CBS cancels it. And you think, why would you cancel something this brilliant? How do you not take a shot at making it work for what it is. And then you start to kind of get a feel for what the show was, and you think, we're in a post-9-11 world here. Yeah. I honestly think that there were elements within our government, and this sounds so conspiracy theory, I get it, but I think there were elements in the government that watched that show and were like, um, 
yeah, no, we're we're not going to keep producing that, guys. Th- this is way too real. We need to do something. And it it really is. Because you start to figure out this was not a foreign entity that did it, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and there, it just looks so realistic. So for the people who don't know what happened with this show, this is just... I love this. This is what happens when you really get involved en masse in an issue. The show gets canceled. People are just outraged. And there's one radio host, I think he's out in California, but I'm not sure, said, here's what we need to do. We just need to start sending peanuts to CBS. Because there's a moment in the finale of season one that involves the word nuts. So we just need to start sending bags of nuts to CBS and tell them, don't cancel Jericho. Apparently it caught on. (laughs) And now you've got literally thousands and thousands of people sending, not just bags. They're going, they found the website that I think is defunct now, or it's been bought out called nuts.com. No, Steve, it was not a porn site. Okay. I knew that's what you (laughs) were thinking. I could hear it in my headphones that that's what you were thinking. Okay. So they go to this website and you've got people ordering like crates of peanuts and all of these things and sending them to CBS. Don't cancel Jericho. It got so out of control. They said, we can't even donate all of these to charity anymore. (laughs) We've got so many of them. We don't know what to do with them. And it turned the tide. And CBS said, we hear you. We need to finish out this story as best as we can. So they ordered a seven, I think seven episode second season to kind of try to wrap the story up. Well, instead of being able to tell a story in 22 episodes, you have seven. So you cannot have any fluff whatsoever. No, no. So you've really got to compact that. And they did. And they kind of wrapped the story up. It was a great second season. And you could see where it was going. And you could tell by the way they scheduled it that they buried it. They put it on at like 10 o'clock on Friday nights or something absurd where nobody's going to see it. And, oh, well, the numbers weren't all that great. And then they cancel it again. Now, what's really cool is the writers all stayed together from that show and created season three and season four in comic book form. Yeah, you were telling me about that. So the story did continue, and it was kind of fun to watch that keep developing, keep developing, keep developing. But it ended after, I guess, 29 episodes on the air. Mm -hmm. But even in such a short time frame, there was so much good story told and a lot of things that you can take from it. But there's one giant entity in that in that show called Jennings and Rawl. And they have to deal with Jennings and Rawl in a lot of this stuff. So at one point in the story, and I'm not really spoiling anything important here. This is just for the sake of discussion. Jennings and Rawl, you start to find out, has their hands in everything. They have their hands in TV. They have their hands in newspaper media and in the internet and all these different things where these characters are trying to interact with and try to get around them. Jennings and Rawl is involved. So you watch that when that show was produced in 05, 06, 07, somewhere in that area. And then you put that into our current frame of reference right now in 2018. And you say, okay, let's replace the words Jennings and Rawl with Google. Oh, yeah, Google. Or or Microsoft or Apple. And when you put it in that context and you see the negative effect Jennings and Raw had because of their reach, Disney. and then you look at it right now with, the com- with those companies in mind, how are we not standing up and trying to do something about that? And that's where you can see the power of 
creative media and why I think you've got government entities like the FCC and you have all these other independent organizations that try to squelch free thought. They try to squelch free speech Mm -hmm. and get rid of it. Why? Because they don't want this type of thought on that level to start getting out there uh, with the masses instead of just a, a fraction of people who really get it. And I think that's an important point. But Jericho was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Did you get to watch the whole series? I watched everything. I w- that's what I was pissed off about. I was like, fuck this show. I loved it. Yeah, I wanted it to go so on for good. like five seasons. Five seasons is what I wanted. But. When you watch all of season one and you see how that season ends and you realize what season two was going to be. And it's like, okay, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Then you watch season two, and there's something that happens right at the end of the last episode of season two. It's like the last three or four minutes. When If you have paid attention to all the details, and you can kind of get a feel for what it's all about, what they were setting up for season three would have blown the minds of people yeah. who were watching. And it's the scene with, and I hope you remember this, it's the scene with the general and the patches. And you just go, oh my gosh. Season three is going to be amazing, and they go in and cancel it. Of course they do, because we need season ninety three of Survivor. Oh shit! Or another season of American Idol. Survivor was like, what is that? I think I watched. Yeah, Survivor was like ten seasons long, eleven seasons long. They've been doing it for about fifteen years. They've done twenty eight or thirty seasons. Oh no, I'm not. What was that show that they did ten seasons of? It wasn't Survivor. It's was like everybody was shipwrecked or whatever. I watched it. I just never. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of what Survivor is. But you have that one, and then you had, uh, oh, come on. It was really big. Everybody's watching that shit. We had that. You had Big Brother that was on for a while. They're all living uh, in that stupid house. Yeah, this wasn't. Oh, you're talking fiction. Yeah. You're talking about Lost. Lost, that's what it was. Right. And Lost had the. Ended up getting stupid and kind of weird as the end, though. Lost got weird, and then it had the ending that no one to this day can figure out what in the world was happening. Yeah, that's like and I've had people it. try to explain it. I didn't watch the show. Yeah. But I had a lot of people that have said, okay, this is what was happening, and there was this alternate reality and all these things. Why didn't you just end it with something. It's real and tangible. A, a, <laughs> even if it's not perfectly real, I understand that it's, um, it's something that you have to have a. A fucking interpreter for you know what I mean? Well, like, I understand that you have to have creative license, and you have to you have to have a little bit of fantasy in these things. But it at least needs to be rational. Mm-hmm. There needs to be something that just, that makes a little bit of sense. I, I love comic book movies. I understand these superheroes do not exist. They do things that other people can't do. But there is a point behind what happens. An origin, yeah, there's a story. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason why these things are happening. Just don't make it so, don't make it completely out of the realm of possibility without there being a purpose for putting it there. Yeah, it's you know, like, Superman has a reason for what Superman is. He's the light in the darkest of situations. He's always going to be truth and justice and the American way. He's going to try to do all these things the right way. He's not going to be dark. And that's why it bothers me. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big Batman fan. I I love DC Comics. I like the Marvel stuff. I like it all. But there's a reason why it bothers me that this big preeminent deal in comics now is, and and obviously now toward the movies and TV, Batman, 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 Batman. And I ask people, okay, why Batman? And why are you so against Superman and so against Captain America, for an example? And their answer is always, oh, they're too good. Superman's too good. 
and that's Batman's why they not go, necessarily not. I mean, but they go to Batman because he's dark and he does this. And they he like does the way this his costume looks like. Is basically what it is. But I hear that and I'm thinking, so you're automatically saying that because Superman is too good, that that's a bad thing. Punisher is the best. But we Sorry. need, but we need <laughs> a little bit more goodness, don't we? I mean, why is that a bad thing? I like Superman when I was a kid. I mean, I I really like. I love the, the Christopher Reeve movies and stuff like that. I still like them to this day. But now that I've shifted, I also used to really like Batman. I mean, it's just is right. what it is. But he's too human as well. You know, there's just... I mean, I don't know. There's... I, don't, I like more of a dark character now. Like sure. A, a Punisher or something like that. It does still represent good, but also does some pretty badass stuff. And I'm people. and I'm all for that. And I like the I like Punisher. I like Batman. I like the characters that have some darkness to them. Yeah. But my concern is this ideology that says Superman is. I don't want to say he's not cool because man, does that sound stupid? But he's not as good, or they they can't relate to them in the same way because he's too good. Shouldn't that be a beacon? Shouldn't that be something that you that you see and say, I want to apply some of this. I'll, this is where we can take something good from fiction. I don't like that we're gravitating away from that because he's too good. If anything, we need to be seeing that and saying, it's a shame that someone this good is fictional. Uh-huh. We need to be more like this. We need to take something from it instead of embracing something that is by design that dark and saying, oh, you know, this is how it really is, so it needs to be more gritty, and he does this and this and this. I, I get them both, and I understand that, in general, it's flip sides of the same coin. But we need to have more good, and we need to lift that up, and we're not lifting that up, and I hate that. It just pisses me off. But a lot of things piss me off, so I've, I've reserved <laughs> the right to be pissed off right now. It's I understand. It's comic books, and it's all flight of fancy and it's all fantasy whatever i get that but there's a reason behind these stories and i'm also getting a little tired of people politicizing everything yeah fuck and Come on, give us a break here and i saw a post again not too long ago about how you all need to understand the message that's really being sent behind all of this fiction. You say you don't want politics in all of your fiction. Well, it's been there all along, and they start in with all this stuff. Now, Star Trek, yes. I don't pay attention to this shit. That's like whenever like crazy shit happens. Like I don't give a fuck about politics. Well, the thing know? about the thing about Star Trek, yes, it was written with the idea in mind of this utopian society where everybody works together and all this stuff and exploration. That's that's fine. That was built in. Yeah, I didn't see it like that. I was like, you know what? There's some like-minded people in every fucking race and creed, and they were like, you know, we're gonna go explore the shit out of space. Well, let me give you another example. This same person says, and Superman. The whole point of Superman was about immigration and an immigrant coming here and being em- embraced and society being better because of this immigrant. And I said, are you fucking kidding me? I said, first of all, you idiot. And you are an idiot. Do you not realize that the create? first of all, Superman is not an immigrant. He's a he's fucking legally, alien. Literally an alien from another planet. Not an illegal alien. He's, he's an in, alien. He's he's from a different world, not a different country. Second of all, the creators of Superman were Jewish. They're Jewish. Okay, so this is why you have to understand this. It has nothing to do with immigration and your stupid left-leaning politics. I destroy Nazis, man. <laughs> what super actually? Well, Captain America was about killing Nazis. Yeah, Nazis. The whole point of Superman was it comes from the Jewish perspective. Superman was from another world, right? Mm -hmm. And he was, before the destruction came, he was sent to another place 
to be protected from it. It's like a second coming. And then to have a, a great impact on the world because of it. What you're seeing is basically a retelling of the story of Moses. Yeah being put in the basket and sent down the river, and then he ends up being this great leader to the Israelites. Okay? Then you look at what Superman ultimately becomes, and yes, I know he has superpowers and can do all these amazing things, but he's this beacon. He's this light. He's a very messianic figure. He's a representation for these Jewish creators of, yeah. of the Messiah that comes. The second coming, yeah. He's the, it's a representation of the Messiah. It's a retelling of the story of Moses. It's not some nonsense about how we need to abolish ICE and let everybody in the country and without any immigration laws I'm and open value. borders. Just stop this crap. I'm face value on that shit, man. I just, I enjoy Isn't it. Isn't it just stupid yes. to hear people say that? I don't care what your hidden agenda or message is. I don't think about it. I see people with masks fighting people or just... I don't care. I don't give a shit. Unless I really want to feel something like that, I don't, I don't care about your hidden If message. you want to have a movie about that, then make a movie about, about that. that. Don't take a movie or a, another piece of visual arts that have already been made and then try to turn it into that to further your agenda. Yeah, because that's and what it always meant, right? What does it turn into? It turns into what we've talked about, social engineering. You're trying to change the way that people are thinking about things that have already happened. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't mean shit. And this is the result, and I know this sounds like paranoia again, this is the result of what happens when we have an educational system that has nothing to do with teaching anybody how to think. It has to do with teaching them what to think. And at that point, it stops being about education and starts becoming about indoctrination. Well, that's history overall. So. That, but that's all it is. Yeah. And that's what, that is exactly where we have gone to. In everything that we do. There's, and I'm sick of it. There's I'm, no real uh, validation on a lot of stories that man tells. I mean, it's, I mean, how much do we, do we lie? Where do we get our validation now? There's none. We it's get only our, the winner gets to validate. But where do we get our validation now? We don't get it from interaction. We get it from social media. You can't trust shit. <laughs> we get it from likes and we get it from, from clicks and from comments and retweets. We're more concerned about how many people saw the picture that we shared yeah. than we are the person who's in the picture with us. Or, you know, you didn't show me off enough on social media, so you don't love me. Are you kidding me? How dare you? Little child. How dare you do something like that? How dare you? Are you going to tell me that the opinion of, of random people who have no interaction in your everyday life is somehow more important than the people who are actually there? There's a really good Black Mirror episode with that. Season three is the shit. Like, they live their lives, and your ability to move through the world is based upon your social media standing. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty good though. It's like a dystopian type future, you know. It's it's pretty cool. You know, we need to we need to have some more fiction with some dystopian stuff because believe me, not every story has a happy ending. No, most of them don't. I mean, most happy endings are just horse shit. Because well, not every, not ninety nine percent of the people don't have a happy ending. You're gonna die in a hospital. Your favorite happy endings come at the end of a massage. <laughs> I haven't had one of those, but I will. <laughs> Hopefully, you haven't had one of them. We don't have a big uh, Asian population here, so it's kind of hard to no, find. No, they don't issue. have to be Asian. No ninety percent no of it, it's gonna be that. God, you don't gonna... hear about like Norwegian massage parlors jerking you off. It's <laughs> we're gonna get in so much trouble for this. I'm just but saying. I mean, like, it. if you think about a massage parlor, what do you think about? I'm not being offensive. Okay, I'm just stating facts. 
the Asian community that we have where we're broadcasting and, and recording from, they don't do massages. They do nails. That's it. Nails. Okay. That's it. And, and it's not nailing people. They just literally work on people's nails. Yeah. I don't want somebody that's sharpening nails jerking me off. I, I want somebody in the arts of jerkery that's going <laughs> to just look at you wrong and you're like, oh. But yeah, I, I definitely, well, I would do that. That's a medical procedure. I can't get in trouble for that uh, shit. We've got our episode title for this one, The Art of Jerkery. And jerkery. Jackery. Is it jackery or jerkery? Jack. Uh, jerkery was funnier. Jerkery. Okay, it'll work. Because it has two different meanings. Jerkery, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it has it two different meanings. Okay, well, well okay. I think it's time for us to take a break and try to refocus, and we'll come back with the second half of episode 14 of Apex Live right after this. Episode 14 of the show continues. I'm Brad. That's Steve. Steve's just still, he's white man chair dancing. He can't, he can't help it. <laughs> By the way, beard looks phenomenal. Well, it thank is, you. I'm trying. It is. It's like you put miracle grow on it. It's about a month old. It's my birthday. Happy Do- birthday, Brad. It doesn't feel like my birthday, man. <laughs> does not feel like my birthday. It never does. You don't want it to be your birthday. Oh, You're just that one more closer to oh. extra gray ball hair. What? It's not really how I was thinking about it, but thank you. No, really, honestly, and I don't mean to be, you know, I don't mean to be negative about this, but this is the worst birthday I've ever had. It is just, it is. It's the worst birthday ever, but uh, I don't know. It's it's just a matter of bad timing. But because it's my birthday, I'm going to give Steve an open line here. Uh, Steve gets an opportunity to do something on the show that I'm probably going to regret. But uh, Steve, you can you can just start asking questions, and you can ask whatever you want within well, within reason. And I am going to answer, and we will talk about whatever you want. So anything you've ever wanted to know, anything you've wondered about, fire away. Let's see what you got. You're putting you're not doing an on the spot interview, but you are kind of putting me in the spotlight here. So see, fire away, whatever you want. It's also a reverse of that too, because everything i've ever wanted to know I always ask that's true i'm you know i mean like that's true uh, absolutely and I, you know that's how i can we can be good friends is because like it's it's open it's, it's an open. it's an open forum it's honest you know there's no you don't have to always play close to the vest and everything and i don't have a ton of i don't really have a ton of secrets because i really don't do anything that interesting so there's really no point i actually have something i've been i've been wanting to know oh crap Okay, so... Somehow I knew you would. I noticed that you have a thing for women mm-hmm. that are completely unattainable for other reasons. Hmm. Why is that? Why, do you not like completely single girls? I'm just wondering. Hmm. And I'm not try- it's not a dick question. I just, I've, yeah. been, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, why does Brad make his life so Why does difficult? it always seem to be that way? Why, why do you always see? I, I, I think I understand. And what I'm, what sure. I'm thinking is, is, is you always reference Superman. And you're always saying you have the good and you have the light. Mm-hmm. I, and and I, I see you as a white knight type. Okay. And I think that you're putting yourself in there as that type. Okay. Um, but you tell me. Okay. Um... I think I'm going to have to come at this, first of all, from a psychological perspective. That's what my background is anyway. Okay. Um, Part of it, I think, is, 
number one, it's not intentional. It's not something I automatically go out and seek. Okay. That's not something I actually want to go out and do. I think there are people who are cynical about it or... Uh, I don't want to say conspiracy theory because that that suggests a broader picture. A broad picture, yeah. Um, but there are people who may believe there's uh, another motivation behind it. Like, oh, he likes a challenge. Yeah. No, that's that's not it at all. Believe me, I have plenty of challenges from completely obt- attainable people who are in my everyday life. I don't need to go seek a challenge. Yeah. I think part of it is, sadly, I think part of it's dumb luck, really? and it's just it's where I am in my life right now. Um. Good more sirens. We need that every episode. Every episode, we got to have sirens. It's the soundtrack of our town. Uh, I think it's just sort of ended up that way, uh, just kind of by by chance. I don't have wonderful luck, really. So things just kind of happen that way. Uh, Unfortunately, there have just been a lot of times in life where I have connected with people, and there have been a lot of hurdles in front of it. And I'm not going to say that they are unattainable as much as they are not easily attainable. And while I think we have the idea in our head sometimes that, well, if it's not easy, if it's easy, it's not going to be worthwhile. Yeah. Okay. And I think there's some truth to that because let's face it, I've dealt with some easy people. So I mean, in, I just, in every yeah. way, it's not something I seek out. I think it's just something that kind of happened. I think the bigger psychological issue is not whether or not I seek out the unattainable, whether it be people situations, what have you, I think it's more along the lines of why do I hold on Mm -hmm. and why do I remain there? And for some of them, it's a connection to them that needs to stay there because it's a positive thing. On the other side of it, why do I hold on to some of them that some would classify as toxic, even if I don't necessarily do? Or why do I hold on to some where there may not be a huge return on my investment, whether it be mental, emotional, spiritual, what have you? That's something I don't necessarily have an answer for, but I do think there's insight that can be gained from that if I start to dig a little deeper to it. I don't know if I'm really in the emotional condition to do it right now, but it is something certainly worth looking at because eventually those things do come back and bite you. And what I think does hurt is whenever you get into a situation with someone, and it can be anyone, this can be romantic, it can be platonic, it can be any kind of relationship, Mm -hmm. where you may not necessarily see them or see it as unattainable, but they see you that way. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 When that happens, now you're on the other side of it. But if you have your own emotional baggage, if you have your own self-conscious issues or or emotional issues, mental health issues, what have you, if they look at you that way and you have issues of your own mm-hmm. that create conflicts within that, you can really disturb a balance that otherwise would be really good. And I think when you start to see that with relationships, it can turn things upside down. But at the end of it, you've still got to be responsible for what you're doing. You have, you've got to suck it up and own it. And sometimes you might make mistakes and you take a hit. But you've got to take the hit. That's the main thing. You have to take the hit. You can't deflect it. You can't run from it because every time you run, it's going to come back and bite you. And it's going to be 10 times worse whenever it comes back around. That's that's a tough lesson to learn from that. But why does it always keep happening? I don't know. Uh, you would think that after a couple of instances of it that I would be more guarded toward it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, human emotions a weird thing. And sometimes it just puts you in bad spots. Uh, one thing you can't do, no matter how difficult these situations get, you can't lose hope and you can't lose the belief that it is going to somehow eventually work out. Okay. It may not be immediate, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes you kind of have to do the the hands up, back away, let some things settle out however they're going to. And then you find out what the investment is on the back end of it that's may, maybe not even necessarily attached to you. Maybe they're going to go through whatever they need to go through, and they've got to figure out – is it worthwhile? Is it real? Is it what I want? And if mm-hmm. they do, it'll come back around. It'll show back up. And that's not even, I know I kind of went in that direction. It's not really an indicator of what I'm going through right now, but it certainly could be applicable to that. But why does it always happen? I, honestly, I think it's dumb luck, but it is something I should be more aware of. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just wondering, kind of wondering, you know what I mean? Just uh, one of those things I was like, sure. cause, I mean, uh, well, you've, I, think, I consider you to be a good person. I see you being a very, like a helpful type person. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just thought maybe it was a situational like you just see distress and you're trying to help people out and sometimes it becomes more than what you anticipate. Or you that's know? happened. That's happened a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, what I do find interesting is that you tied together seeking or continually being identified with or in relation to someone or something that is unattainable with the Superman complex and the White Knight complex. And there is a difference between being drawn to people who are damaged or who are troubled and, and, and have issues that need to be dealt with Mm -hmm. and the, and the unattainable. There's a big difference between those two. Yeah. Um, am I maybe more drawn to that, to that first group, the ones who have some trouble and, and yeah, okay. I deal with a lot of damaged people, and yes, a lot of them tend to be women. That happens. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, all damaged. Okay, but you know, do I deal with that? Yes. Am I even in that regard? Am I objectively going out and saying I'm going to go find the damaged ones and do this and do this and do this? I'm thinking more subconscious. That, I, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if you're doing that consciously, that's predatory behavior. No, no, probably, I would never. And yeah. you probably have a different objective at that point. Yeah. Do I want to help people? Yes, because yeah. I do. I firmly believe I'm put here to help people. And um, you can't really help the people who have everything going in their direction. There's not a whole lot to help. And there's a great shirt that Global Vision Bible Church in Tennessee, it's Pastor Greg Locke's church. They have a, he has a great shirt, and it says, Fixed Folks Can't Help Broke Folks. Yeah, it's the struggle. Nobody understands. You know, and I'm a, I'm a broken person. I really am. And I'm more broken now than I've ever been. And I'm, I say that in the present tense as I live right now recording this and speaking these words into a microphone. Um, I think that also puts me in a better position to help people because I understand You it understand now. pain and, and I've suffering. understood pain and, uh, and heartbreak and a lot of different things in my life. But this particular type of situational thing, I can now understand this better than ever. The problem is I can't help myself, but maybe I can help some other people through it. And what I'm hoping for, and this is going to make a lot of people who know me kind of upset. What I am hoping for is that at some point I will have an opportunity to maybe be an example, uh, to be a leader in a situational standpoint, to show and to offer forgiveness and restoration. Now, that is a two-way street. That is something where not all of the work is mine. Yeah, I'm not sure. the only yeah. one who's going to be doing these things. But if given the opportunity, it's not even something I'm going to sit here and say, oh, I would do that. No, no, no. I want to do that. I'm hoping for that. I've spent eight weeks offering that and being there and being available for it. And it's just, it's not been, it's not been apparently in the cards for them to check that box on the checklist. Okay. I can't make them do it. Why would I, why would I want, if I could make them do it, why would I do it? Because then it wouldn't have any value to it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. If that's what they want, come tell me. Okay. And I will make that happen because it's a two way street and it takes, it takes two people to make that happen, but that's not happen. We need to have that more of that in our world. And if we would, if we would actually have more compassion, everybody puts compassion into these political issues. How about more compassion in your everyday lives with people? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've tried to do. And that's put me in positions where I've tried to just help people and help people and help people. And that's where the Superman complex comes in. Cause you're trying to save everybody. And yes, at some point I understand you've got to be a little selfish and try to save yourself. Apparently I've not reached that point See, because I'm willing, trouble. I am yeah. willing to tank my entire life for everyone else. And up to this point in my life that I've done a pretty good job doing that is I've killed myself for everyone else. And this isn't me being self aggrandizing and trying to pat myself on the back because believe me, it's not a good thing. Has that, it start to burn you up not, though yet? Has it's it not a good thing. Yes, it has. I mean, I'm physically, I'm you're, breaking you're, down. You're getting to that point. It's awful. Yeah. It's, and it's, I've, it's been breaking <laughs> me down for a long time. One of my, one of my best friends on earth, my brother, Okay, Mm -hmm. not my actual brother, but someone who is a brother to me looked at me one time. We're having dinner uh, after going somewhere. It was me and him and and his girlfriend at the time. And he looked at me across the table. and We were talking about something was going on. I can't remember what it was. And he said, I can't believe you're not dead. And he said it in such a. Just a plain, flat effect manner. It w- it wasn't even like it was this. Like real. Like, it wasn't even this panic of oh my god, I can't believe. It. No, it was just I can't believe you're not dead. Just this resigned to fact. This is how it is. I can't believe you're not dead. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you well, know, the, thanks, the fact fucker. that it just rolls off of your tongue like that yeah. is really rather startling. And I look back to that now and realize that that was six years ago, six and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And things are not better. Things are 50 times worse now because you look at the number of people that I was probably doing that kind of thing with and for and about. It's multiplied exponentially since then. So, yeah, it does. It eventually does take its toll. Now, that said, I would much rather in a long-term vision or in an eternal viewpoint of things, I would rather get used up in my usefulness doing that than to waste a much longer life having no impact. It's back to what we talked about last week, inheritance versus legacy. I would much rather have a 40-year legacy where I've left behind not just a lot of memories and a lot of fun, but I've left behind an impact that has really changed lives for the better. I would rather do that and let that kind of ripples on a pond out from that point and cascade out Mm -hmm. than live a life that was really rather empty and meaningless. And as well, he had a lot of stuff and he did a lot of these things and he died at 75 and it turned out this way. Yeah. But what did it mean? What did it do? I would, would, I'd rather do something that mattered. Um, So I think that's where all of that really ends up. I'm not actively trying to be, Superman, it'd be great if I could fly and have super speed and but super strength. But it's something that you have inherently that you can't shake. No, it, it, I'm built that way. Yeah. And what's funny is, and th- this is not a slight toward anyone that I know, the other people in, in my family really aren't built that way. They just, I don't see that in them. And that's fine. I'm not saying they don't help people. I'm not saying that they don't do a lot of good. Believe me, I'm not saying that because they do. But I don't see them taking it to the extremes that I do. And, and that's wonderful. And I'm sure it's a healthier way to do it. And I'm not saying my way is better or worse, but I don't necessarily even know why I do it. It's just something God made me this way. You just feel like, I mean, it's something that's just natural. It's a mission. Yeah. It's a calling. It's something I've got to go do. But And I'll say this, 
because I want this to be understood. If I could change it, I would, because my life would be a whole lot better. If you could just be, I, I know you probably sat in your bed, man, I'm just going to be an asshole tomorrow. I'm just going to be a dick for the rest of my life and not give a shit about anybody, and nobody's going to hurt me anymore. I have thought that, I mean, hundreds of times. Yeah. I have laid in bed and thought that, and I have set out to make it so, and I've thought about it. And you failed after like a day. <laughs> and when the time came to do it, and I had that crossroads, and it was like, I can, no, oh, I could, but I won't. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I'm better than that. I'm not going to do that. Boy, do I want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last, especially in the last three or four months of my life, in a, in a few different areas, boy, I've had the chance. I've had some openings where I could just be that guy. And I, I know you have. And it's That's... like, be that guy. And I, I've had my finger on the trigger, and it's I've had the sights lined up, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And it's not even necessarily with people that I love, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm. Sometimes it's with people I have no connection to. But I just I don't want to be that, because what does it gain? And it's one of those situ- situations where you think, okay, this happens, this happens, this happens. I'm going to go beat the crap out of this person. Mm-hmm. And then you have to come back down from that and come to the realization and say, okay, let's say you do. What good does that do? Well, you know? Then what? What changed? Nothing changed. Believe me, I can give you a list right now of three people that I would love to go just absolutely physically wreck. <laughs> I know three of them. I mean, it would, yes, <laughs> I guarantee you do. And it would just be so much fun. And some of them are with merit. Some of them are not. But I would absolutely Some of just, them are just principle. <laughs> yes, I would love to go do it. And I don't. Okay? And those are the moments, ultimately... Throughout the course of your life, you'll have a lot of them. Some of them are small, some of them are big. But those are the moments in life that will ultimately define you and define your impact and define your character and who you are, Mm -hmm. is the decisions you make at that crossroad and which direction you go. Because at that moment, when you go left or right, whichever way you go, it's going to be a little bit easier to make that turn again whenever it comes. Because once you diverge that path the first time, those roads aren't going to come back together the same way again. No. They may circle back, but it'll take a long time to circle back. So you've got to make the decisions the right way the first time around. And I guess I've, I've always just sort of erred on the side of, I don't want to say caution, but I've erred on the side of, of okay, right. do what's right yeah, do what's and right. and do what's going to be best for people. And there have been a lot of the situations where what I've done was probably best for them, but it wasn't best for me. Mm-hmm. But I would rather do that because maybe they'll make the same decision down the line and it'll do some good for them. That's That's just how I've approached it. Huh? That was a question. Yeah, and that was an insanely long answer. But it was a good one, though. Yeah, so continue. Okay, let me think. See if you got anything else. I have all kinds of stuff, but... Well, then ask it. But it's not so easy for me to, to pose them the way I want to, because I'm half retarded. Oh, you are not. Oh, a quarter. <laughs> I won't argue with you. Okay, so some questions here. It's weird for me to be on the other side of this. And kind of be waiting on this being thrown at me because I don't know what the questions are going to be. So as far as being a uh, head coach Apex, okay, all the big stuff there, mm-hmm. what do you want to happen with this now and where do you see it going in the future? Hmm. You know, I think two years ago that's an easier question to answer because the state of boxing, at least on a regional level, was a different picture. And there was a point let's say two years ago where out of 50 states in the United States, West Virginia was third 
in the amount of shows, professional boxing shows, in a calendar year. That's saying something. Behind, I think, Texas and Florida, or Texas yeah. and California. Cali, yeah. And you see that and think, my gosh. Well, at that point, you had Jerry Thomas doing the Tough Man events for the mm-hmm. full calendar. Uh, Chris Smith was still doing his Rough and Rowdy shows. Garbage. Uh, 100%. So you had those. You had all the independent producers. You had Mike Shepard, Steve Simons, uh, Angelo Magnone, all of the, And then you had a couple of one-offs from other promoters here and there. So there was a ton of it. Now we've got a similar base of talent and the amount of people trying to compete. And you've probably got 40% fewer shows, yeah. if not more. And a lot of things have changed. And that's really changed the dynamic of what we're going to be able to do. There was a point where we could fight a lot more locally and build that fan base, build the interest. People would travel an hour to watch us fight. It's a lot harder whenever you've got to have a show two and a half, three, four hours away. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be a B-side. It's it just totally changes the game of how you're going to do it. So we've got to be uh, a lot more hmm, tough adjectives to come up with here. Uh, we have to be a lot more sharp in our focus on what we want to do with a game plan instead of just taking whatever fight, whenever, wherever, and and trying to build something. Because if you start doing it that way, if you don't get it right in the first two or three. You're behind the eight ball yeah, in a bad you're, way. You're labeled uh, a feeder fish. If that. Yeah. I mean, it turns into a problem if you do it that way. So what you have to do then is you have to become more personally invested in what you're going to do and then get the return on the back end, which is ideally the way you want to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's easy when you're with Golden Boy, Top Rank, whoever, and you've got giant money behind you and they're just feeding the beast. That's not something small-level people can do. It's a lot harder. You've got to find oh, yeah. a sponsor here and there. You've got to save the money from your 40-hour-plus-a-week job and go buy on to a fight and get two or three in a, uh, in a four- or five-month period and then use that, take a fight where you're on the B side, but it's winnable, and take your shot. The days of somebody, fun, unless they're just rolling in cash that's expendable, Unless you've got that, the days of building your record up to 7, 8, 9, 10, and 0 on a local level are gone. Yeah. It just doesn't happen anymore. What do I want to see happen? I want to see whoever wants to be serious about it to come out and seriously train and seriously compete. And I want to go out and win some more belts. Um, as a coach, on my ledger... My fighters competing, me being in the corner, unless it's an event where I couldn't corner them because there's a corporate group of people who corner them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's interesting. I've got 21 championships on my record as a coach. I would love to see this get to 25. Am I going to just up and quit when I get to 25? No, I'm not saying that at all. I would like to get to that point, and that's professional, semi-pro, or amateur. I'll take any of them. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see it get to that point. I want to see people improve. Um, and kind of going back to the first question and where we went with it, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to see more people have positive life changes through what we're doing, mm-hmm. no matter what the result is in the ring. And I've seen boxing save a whole lot more lives than soccer. Oh, yeah. I've seen boxing uh-huh. save a whole lot more lives than golf because it's not something that you've got to invest $1,100 in gear before you go out and do it. 
you need to borrow a pair of gloves and have a pair of shoes and some shorts and go in there and learn discipline Mm -hmm. and learn self-defense. Because if you go in with that attitude, I'm going to go knock everybody out on day one, you're going to be humbled real quick. Oh, yeah. That's how it works. (laughs) So I would like to see more people get something good out of it. And whether that's going to be a huge number or a small number, I've seen a lot of lives change through it. And that's, that's really what I would like to see happen. And someone who I think has experience more good than maybe they're reflecting in their everyday life right now. Uh, I interacted with them over the weekend and they had some success and it was just great. And they had some really kind words for me and for our team. I'm really happy as they did that. And you saw that happen. And some of the things he said, it was just, it was just really important. He's just a character, but he's a good dude. I think anyway, at his core and seeing that happen, um, that was a lift that was a boost at a time when I really needed it. Cause I was not doing real well with that event. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with a lot of stuff and having that happen was very important to me. So if you're listening, I'm proud of you and you did a great job. Get in there so I can punch your ass in the face your, a little bit or the body, either one, either way. But I want to train with you. I mean, you're winning fights. You're doing good. Come but on. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. So a little tip of the cap to you, Turner. I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> me too. So all that happened. Um, more stories like that where you're seeing good things happen. That's what I would like to see, but obviously championships on the back end of that is important mm-hmm. too. Because if you're not, if you're going into coaching and all you're concerned about is wins and losses, here we are again with inheritance versus legacy. Yeah, all you're just, left, all you're left with is a bunch of belts and a bunch of people who aren't going to be sad at your funeral. We need to rebuild this team, is what I'm thinking. Is uh, I mean, there's we're not we don't have anybody as much as we need right now. Rebuild or restock? We both. We have. A, we I think we've we've had some people who who saw some changes and have taken that and said, oh, well, it's going to be this way. Well, that just means you need to step up a little more. Yeah. So I'd like to see that in terms. And now we're back to investment. Investment is not always money. Time is the biggest investment investment, that you can ever have because I can get more money, but I can never get more time. I don't know when I'm going to run out and I can't buy more. Okay. That's important. So if you spend your time on something or someone, that's a huge investment. People Mm -hmm. need to remember that. Maybe we can uh, build up, uh, WVU Tech boxing team. Maybe we can get them started. I'd be fine with that. I would do it. And it'd be great because I know the head coach at Glenville State. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure Dwayne Chapman would be uh, interested in seeing that happen. Just as as competition on a local level, I think that'd be great. Yeah, we can get some kids. I mean, they have athletes there. Absolutely, you know? they do. What else you got? Anything else? Well, Anything on your mind? There's not. I mean, there's just you know little things that I, I've been thinking about. But, I mean, as all far right, sh- as... All right, shoot me one more. Hmm. We got a few more minutes here, so shoot me one more. Let me think here. I can edit out the big long pause. Oh, I, w- I mean, the pause isn't even. I didn't realize there was a pause. I thought it was instantaneous. That <laughs> 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 just is what it is. Um. So we'll say in the next two years, personally, okay. where, where do you see yourself? Where are you, you going to be? <sighs> Where do I see myself, or where would I like to see myself? And uh, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, I mean, we all see. I know where I would like to be in two years, mm-hmm. but where do I see myself in two years? Where do you see yourself realistically? Not where you'd like to be, but where do you see yourself at the current pace and path of what you're you're doing? Where do you see yourself at? Well, yeah, that's a tough question to answer right now. It is, and it's tough to answer right now because of the things that are going of on, of the situation that has happened. But we're, we're just going to say that uh, everything that you completely get past everything is. Well, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that as kind of a qualifier to where I end up answering. Yeah. Okay. Um, what where I wanted to be was pretty simple. The steps that were taken were taken for a reason. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we both understand that. What I wanted yeah. two years from now was to be married and have a family. That's, that is exactly what I wanted. Uh, more than likely, it would have meant me not being here. Mm-hmm. You probably okay. Georgia, somewhere southern. Probably, yeah. But that's unfortunately not how this has ended up. Will it still end up there in two years? Maybe. Possibly. I'm maybe. not going to say 50, no. 50-50, who knows? I'm not going to say no. And I'm not going to say no because it does not... I'm not going to say no because it's not up to me. Mm-hmm. Okay? That part of it now is no longer up to me. Um, I'm not the one who gets to push that button. And it's just how that is now. That's where I wanted to be. That's where I hoped to be. That's where I felt I was supposed to be. As of this moment, that's not where I'm going to be. And that is... That's very difficult to say right now. And it's difficult to say because of what I had to do today. Um, I didn't know Steve was going to ask that, but I'm glad he did because it gives me some, it gives me a, a platform to say what needs to be said. Didn't want to do what I had to do today. But we also have to remember in life that when we say goodbye, it's not always goodbye. Sometimes goodbye is see you later. Sometimes goodbye is until we meet again. Sometimes goodbye is not a permanent state of being. Sometimes it's just the way that things have to be for now. And it's not always of our own doing. And that's why the end of certain things feels exactly like the grieving process after a death. That's why it feels the same. Because really is, it's the death of what you knew. And it's the death of what you hoped for and what you dreamed of. You know... This has been a cruel eight weeks. It's been a cruel eight weeks. But just like I said at the end of episode 13, I'm still here. And somehow I'm still standing. I don't... I don't know where I'm going to be in two years because it was mapped out. It was there. The picture was there. I was... I had the the thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, and it was on the table... And I was putting pieces 994, 995, 996, and man, it looked just like the picture on the box. It just, it looked perfect. And I said, this is even better than it looks on the box. Because look at the work that it took to make it happen. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Look at this. And then somebody comes in and knocks all the pieces off the table. And you feel like, well, you know, now I get to start over, but am I even going to build this puzzle again? Or is it going to have to be a different puzzle? And do I have it in me to build a different puzzle? Because that one might be 5,000 pieces. Mm-hmm. And I may run out of time. That's that's the the thought that haunts you. You know, it's, it's never the thoughts and the emotions that exist in the midst of the noise and the bright lights that affect you most. It's the ones that visit you in the darkness and the silence. Those are the ones that hit you the hardest. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that. But as I've watched those things happen in these last little, this last little bit of time, what, eight weeks, um, and you watch what you had envisioned go away, when that happens, you do have to reset and you do have to reassess a lot of things, not just the things directly involved. You got to reassess everything. And as I've watched that happen, it's changed my vision of what's ahead. I don't know what's ahead. And I wish I did know what was ahead. Um, like I said, 
that was what it was supposed to be. That's what was planned for, for most of these three years was, you know, married, family, future, dot, dot, dot. And then you can fill, then it's Mad Libs and you just start filling stuff in after that point. Mm -hmm. That's not where it is now. Now in two years, I look at it and I say, you know, there's maybe there's a decent chance I'm not still where I am right now. Um, in the immediate aftermath of this, I said, you know what? I'm going anyway. I'm going somewhere anyway, because the plan was in place. It had been, I'd built that plan for a year. So the plan was already in place that I'm going. Well, now just because I'm not going there doesn't mean I still can't go somewhere. And that's what I wanted to do. But then as this has happened, I've looked at it and I said, you know what? If I'm not going to get that, I'm not going to stay here because it's comfortable, but if it's best for me to be here and I can impact more lives by being here, then that's what I'll do. If I can't have what was supposed to be. Okay. Don't, don't be totally reactive and do something that's not in your best interest and impact the next 10 years of your life. Minimum, if not more, just knee jerk because something else didn't happen like you thought it was going to, or because you believed something that wasn't true don't go down that road because then you're just on the same end of the spectrum as the X factor that screwed everything up. It's, it just doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, two years from now, where am I? Maybe here. Um, maybe I'm watching from the balcony if my health doesn't get any better. <laughs> um, it's hard to tell my hope is that I am somewhere and I'm not flying solo and that I've got somebody that's decided to take a chance on me and someone I can take a chance on and we can march forward. What that will entail. I don't know. I would hope that I am doing something um, that's a lot more stable on a professional level. Uh, what I would like to be doing, I'd like to be doing radio I would like for us to have two, a two-hour or three-hour block every morning and go in and do a radio show because I think what we're producing now is awfully good. I'd like to see that happen. If not, I'd like to do something that's probably more stable and consistent than what I'm, I'm, I'm having to do now because of a lot of other life situations and et cetera. But a lot of that's starting to change for the better, too. And that's why the move next year was going to be so easy because everything was filtering out and getting better. So I would like to be in that, in that area a lot more. Um, one thing that I would really like to do is I want to keep producing books. That's something I really want to do. This, this book that's in the works now is really rather worthless to write and end it the way I kind of see it ending without there being another one after it. So I want to stay creatively motivated to continue on with that. But that also means I can't get overloaded with so many other things that I can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's a passion. That's something that I know I'm never going to do as a profession. I'm, I'm never going to make my living as a writer. I get that, but I would like to keep doing that because that's an outlet for me for everything else. But you know, most of those core foundational things, it looked different at the end of May. Mm -hmm. It was there and I knew it was there and I knew it was right within grasp and it's not now. So it's kind of hard to say that definitively because I don't know where it exists now. You know, we may get three months down the road and it looks like it's back in place again. But it's that one's not my call. So in terms of the things that are within my control, I think I've answered that. The rest of it, at least on, on that end, with that person, etc., it's out of my hands. 
that's the best way I can say it. And it's amazing that I get to talk about that right now because, well, a lot of that literally just happened about three o'clock today. So that's the best way to put that into, into context. But that's how it works. That's how it happens. And is that how I wanted to celebrate my birthday? No, that's not how I wanted to celebrate my birthday at all. I, I thought not long ago, I thought I, I thought I knew how I was going to celebrate my birthday this year. I thought it was going to look a lot different, but it doesn't. And I know that's life. And I know, say la vie, whatever. Just means you got to hope that, uh, that the 2019 edition of this is a whole lot better and a whole lot different. And with a lot of work and doing it the right way, I think it will be. So that's where that's going to end up. Who knows? Maybe it's different by the end of August. That's the hope. You never know. No, I don't. Well, believe me, I've lived a life full of you never know <laughs> recently. <laughs> Uh, that's what happens. I've been blindsided more than Stevie Wonder playing dodgeball. <laughs> okay. In the last little while. Uh, it's not what I wanted. It's just, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted. Um, but it's what I got. So I'll do my best and keep going forward from there. That was three. That's not bad. That's three. That's not bad. You asked three short questions. I got three really long They weren't answers. necessarily short. I know how you answer questions. I gave you yeah. open-ended questions. Those weren't for bad for off-the-cuff answers, right? No, I want, that's what I wanted, though. Okay, that's, I that's got what, what I wanted. Was, that's what I was trying to give you. I just wanted to dig you out a little bit. Well, we've got more stuff coming. We may have another show recorded this week. I don't know. But uh, it's been a... it's been a long road. It's been an interesting road and a winding road for the last little while. But one thing that I think we can take from all of this and we need to take from all of this is that, yeah, I said this last time, I have the best, the best circle of people on earth. I have the best team on earth. And Steve has, Steve has been in the inner, the inner circle of the inner circle (laughs) for a long time. So he, he has known about these things as they have gone on, but also things that have happened in the past. And he's been there for a lot of battles. But I have an amazing team, and as this wears on, like I said, there was there was what appeared to be finality today, but it's not final to me. Now I didn't really want to talk about all this necessarily in detail, and I'm st- I'm still I'm not out there like throwing names out and posting screenshots and stuff. But you know, it, since it's on my mind, I'll say it because I'm an open book on here. It it looks final, but it's not final. It's not final. What I did is I took a couple of steps back and I said, okay, now it's in your hands. Nothing's final if you have an open mind. Absolutely. Um, If you have a soft heart and an open mind, you can get a lot of good things done Mm -hmm. in this life. And you can learn a lot of things and you can impact a lot of things. And my point to to all of this has been, and it's been this way since all of this started, and it's every bit as true now, no matter what I had to do today, is it's not in my hands now. I have done everything that I could possibly do as well as I could do it. I've tried to be as, as understanding and as loving and caring and ever and forgiving and everything as I can be. It's out of my hands now. However, it's going to turn out from this point forward has nothing more to do to, to do with me. It has nothing more to do with me. And I am hoping that somehow I can get some peace from this yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still only 193 pounds. Sweet. I, I went 215 to 191 in less than two weeks when this started. I'm still only back to 193. Now, I'm eating again. I'm eating plenty again. I'm, my system is still just so ramped up. I'm burning through everything. That's a, man, that's a scary place to be. 
and I'm still not sleeping and I'm still battling these things. And that's where you come back to that point we were talking about where it's, it's the thoughts that are on you in the darkness and the silence when all of the noise and distraction and all this other stuff stops. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to start popping meds. I'm not going to do all these things to distract me. And I'm making air quotes, but nobody can see them. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Because it's not real. It's fake. It's fake when you try to lose yourself and to try to lose your emotions and your reality in the noise and in the things that really don't have anything attached to them. Okay. That's not fair to the other people involved and it's not fair to you. You it's destructive and you cannot sit there and be that self-destructive over and over and not stop it. Okay. And it's just as hard to go through as it is for other people who care about you to watch it happen. It's, it's just, it's so painful. But how is everything going to play out? I don't know. Like I said, it's not in my hands anymore. I had I had to do what I had to do today. But that's the hope. And the hope is that goodbye is not goodbye. It's not forever. It's hopefully see you later. It's until we meet again. And maybe not even see you later. Hopefully, and I do hope this, probably under some different circumstances with some different details. Hopefully, it's see you soon. And like I said, I've done what I can do. And we'll just see where it goes from there. Steve, thank you, my friend. No, thank you. Episode 14 is in the books. 15 is right around the corner. Until next time, remember, betrayal never comes from your enemies. Watch your six. Now more than ever. But if you get the opportunity, even in those situations, forgive. You'll be glad you did. I'm Brad. That's Steve. This has been Apex Live. Goodbye, Ashley. And good night, America. Wherever you are. <laughs>